Welcome on to The Backstretch. I'm Heather Williams. And how about Ross Chastain? What a great story that's been this year. Winner last week at Talladega. He won his first ever Cup Series race a few weeks back at Circus of the Americas. Here's a kid who has been scrapping and clawing to get to the highest level for years. He thought he was going to get there with Chip Ganassi racing, and then that got yanked out from underneath him. And then he finally gets to Chip Ganassi racing last year, and this place closes down, sells to Trackhouse racing. He doesn't know what he's going to do. He ends up at Trackhouse, and it has been a success all the way around. It's so great to see a success story like this. He's not a guy that came from a lot of racing money or background. His family played around, around a little bit in racing, but watermelon farmer, right? I mean, it's just a great story. I've known Ross for years. It's great to talk to him. It's great to see him have that success. And it's really great to see a new team like Trackhouse come in and get it figured out. Justin Marks, Pitbull, Ty Norris, the whole group there, they have really done this the right way paying off in spades so we'll talk about ross for sure coming up we're gonna have justin on a little later on we'll also talk about some of the other news of the day but right now let's get things rolling with chris i'm joined as always by our crew chief chris carrier who also happens to be the crew chief for the number 75 food country truck in the camping world truck series ross chastain steals one this weekend in a wild finish at talladega he joins william byron as repeat winners in 2022 how impressed are you with Ross and Trackhouse Racing? Uh, very and very. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know which to say more. I'm, I'm really not surprised at all with Ross Chastain. I, I saw him driving the Truck Series uh, uh, several years ago, probably seven or eight, nine maybe years ago, and I knew then that he was a talented driver. And at that time, he really didn't have a a top line ride, you know, but we, we, we all knew. I said, this, this guy's got talent. He's a fast driver. I, I am surprised and also pleasantly surprised and very proud of Trackhouse Racing. Man, what a story. I mean, these guys are on it and they, they're not just, uh, you know, they're just not, they're not just smoking mirrors. They're not just lucky. They're good every week and they got two cars and two drivers that are good every week. And, um, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm, I want to say I'm shocked, but uh, I think they deserve more than that because they have really, uh, they have really paid their dues. They've crossed the T's and dotted the I's and, and they, they come prepared every week. And they, I think, you know, they, they expect to win. So Ross has his watermelon smash yeah. when he wins a race, right? Carl Edwards had the backflip. Kyle Busch takes a bow. What do you think has been the best post-race celebration in NASCAR? Uh, well, I'm going to be, I'm going to be uh, a little bit, I don't know if this is selfish or not, but our truck series driver, Parker Kligerman, plants the flag, the checkered flag in the grass when he, when he wins the race. Now, that happened again at the Daytona 500 with Austin Sendrick. He did the same thing. Parker said he kind of stole my deal there a little <laughs> bit, but, but I like it. But, you know, uh, the, the thing with Ross and, and, that, that is getting back to, you know, he, he, he and his family are watermelon farmers. That's what they do. That's how he got started. That was the, 
the funding that helped him get to the point to where he could be considered for a ride like he's got right now in the top echelon of racing all over the world in, in the Cup Series. So I think it's pretty cool. I, I just, I really do. And I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty big fan of watermelon <laughs> myself. So um, um, I think, I think his, his has to be right on the top. And I think it has a lot of meaning. You know, he's saying thank you. You know, and, and I, I like that, and I, I think it's pretty cool. Along those same lines, my favorite, the Polish Victory Lap, Alan Kowicki. Yes, ma'am. That's on a different level. Yeah. Uh, that You know, Alan came up with that, and now, of course, you know, we all know, you know, what happened to Alan later. It started uh, uh, later after the, I think I said that wrong, but uh, uh, that's all about Alan and his, his history and his accomplishments. Um, he was a good friend of mine. Uh, raced Ed Whitaker's car is how I got to know him, and uh, great guy. Uh, they'll, they'll they'll never be another Alan Kowicki. Not not ever. They'll never be another one. They broke the mold, and uh, I wished he'd have got to finish out his, you know, his racing career uh, a normal time and and live to see more wins, more championships, more success. But you know, not to be. But uh, got a lot of good memories of that young man. So. <laughs> There are some big-name drivers without a win this season. Kevin Harvick, Brad Kozlowski, Chase Elliott, Ryan Blaney, Bubba Wallace, just to name a few. But which driver needs a win the most now? Wow, uh, Heather, you mentioned some pretty big names there with really good race teams, a lot of success in their background that haven't, you know, that haven't seen victory lane. And to be honest with you, some of them haven't even got to smell victory lane. So. I don't know. I, I, I keep going back to uh, uh, Chase Elliott. You know, I, I've, everybody over there has won a race except him. And he's not that far off his last championship, I think a couple of years. So um, I feel, I don't know. I think I sense a, a feeling of urgency there. And maybe, I don't want to say it's panic, but it's we're on up in the season. And his teammates are doing pretty well, along with some others. And, and we talked about Trackhouse Racing. You know, some teams like that, uh, drivers like Ross Chastain, are taking taking the, the 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 success away from guys that you just mentioned. And you know, there's I don't know. There's not. I don't think there's going to be enough cake to go around here uh, as the season goes along because some of these guys really don't don't have you know haven't shown really the capability of winning just yet. Now that all could change around, could change at Dover this weekend. So, uh, you know, hold on to your hat. Don't, don't, let's nobody call 911 just yet for them, but uh, they, they gotta be getting pretty nervous. You know, it's cause playoff time is, is coming closer and closer. So this week, NASCAR heads to Dover, uh, the Monster Mile. Monster. Um, my, one of my favorite trophies in the sport, but what do we expect this week from the racing? Again, I, I think I think that this next-gen car is going to perform very well at Dover. Um, I could be wrong, but I'm looking for a good race there because normally Dover, the you know the the groove widens out. There's there's it's, you know, it's still even though they cut it back to 400 laps, it's still a long race, and uh, this is where you you better you know uh, you, you better eat your Wheaties in, in you know every morning before this week. Uh, this week's race because it's it's a hard race and and I think it'll come down to a mixture of uh, mechanical grip, the best arrow, uh, pit decisions, uh, pit strategy, and guys that can just hang in there. I mean it's uh, it's very physically 
and psychologically um, torture at Dover. And uh, I see it's one of my favorite racetracks. I wish it was maybe in Roanoke or something, but but it's a. I always loved going up there because I always, always felt like you could separate the, the good drivers from the great drivers and the guys that want it the most. So we'll see what happens. I think it'll be a good race. Joining us now is Trackhouse Racing co-owner Justin Marks. And Justin, take us back to that day just a month or so ago at Coda when you picked up the first win Trackhouse Racing when Ross Chastain run that race. Yeah, I mean, obviously a great day for the company. I mean, I've, I've asked a lot of people to believe in something that was so new and so hard to, to visualize. I had, had so much conviction in my head about, um, you know, what does it take to be successful with this new car and with the new era of the sport and how much I believed in Ross. And so I think the best part for me was seeing the smiles and the joy on everybody's face knowing that they made a commitment, that they took personal risk in, in committing to Trackhouse. It's such a new enterprise. Unproven owner, um, and that was really the best part. Is just is just seeing everybody's uh, hard work and, and commitment uh, realized, and how happy they were about it. So I mean, it was like Daytona last year. I sat on the Zoom call with you and Pitbull and hundreds of media members. This was just kind of a dream. I mean, you were you had got all this, you know, all the pieces put together, but this shop wasn't wasn't a thing yet. And you know, you were kind of going out there with the old car, and not really, you know, kind of on a you know just, just a dream. Could you imagine that all this came together so quickly with Ganassi and and all that stuff? Yeah, I mean, it certainly came together. I mean, this was always the plan for Trackhouse. It's just the time frame got condensed so much because I just was basically out there looking for a charter, looking for our franchise, uh, you know, deal so we could we could have a home in the sport. But that quickly turned into a much bigger opportunity to acquire this company from Chip. Um, so it's it's all happened, you know, it's happened very very uh, very quickly. But you know, last year was really was about, I almost wasn't concerned with race results in our first year at all. It was just more about establishing Trackhouse and establishing my relationship with Daniel and Daniel's relationship with his crew chief and just figuring out really how we're going to build this thing as we started to inch closer to the, the next gen car era. Whereas this year it's much more about the execution and take advantage of the, of the on-track opportunity that we have. So, you know, I had a lot of real conviction about how I wanted to embark with this new car and then getting these 130 people on board with that vision and, and united in that vision has, has really given us the opportunity that we have right now. How important is it you, you're, you're a racer, I mean that you have the racing background because it seems like a lot of new teams are coming in but the ones that are finding success, U2311, are the guys that have racers in their ownership group. I think it's I think it's very important that I've had experience in this sport from behind the wheel. I mean, it's 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 a very unique industry, and there's there's nuance to it that um, that that is very important to know how to navigate. And um, you know, I've spent a lot of, a large part of my career driving, but I'm a very business-minded person, so I've always been paying attention to that side of it too, even while I was driving the car. And so I think that just gives me a unique way of you know strategically maneuvering. Um, Sort of politically and, and obviously you know culture within a company and, and all that kind of stuff. Because I I drove for teams where you know I was I was seen as very important. The drivers were seen as very very important, and the team and the people on the team. I've driven for teams where it was a machine and it was very um, it just wasn't very democratic and no one felt that important. And I have experienced how how different those are and just how much better it is when the team feels like a family when they're supported by management and ownership and so just having that experience definitely I think has created uh, an opportunity for me to come in here and effectively do my job. How important was it to bring on the second team and to bring on Ross into this organization? Well it, it was um, it wasn't really in the playbook 
to have a two-car team in our second year. Honestly, I mean, it, we were just trying to secure our place in the sport with our one team, with our one, uh, with the '99 car. Um, but in sort of trying to find our charter, trying to find our franchise to be able to um, to be a part of the sport, this opportunity came. And when this opportunity came, it was it was we had to sort of go back to the playbook a little bit. Um, but there was so much infrastructure here that existed, and it was two charters and, and existing teams that are operating well and were both fast and competitive, so it made that growth a little bit easier. It would have been hard to expand the two cars from scratch and try to build the team from scratch. So, um, so it was just like a really good timing, and, um, and you know, got just got really lucky. Um, you know, two cars is it puts us in a very competitive situation, especially when they work together so well. So I think mean, that's what a lot of our success is right now. Is the '99 team and the one are working so well together, sharing information, helping each other, and it's sort of the rising tide that's raising all boats right now. So that's why you see, you know, last couple of weeks both cars have led led laps. Um, both cars have, have been capable of winning the race instead of sort of one up here and one back here. So, um, so that's that puts us in a really advantageous position. '99 is just knocking on the door so close. And I think he's going to get his pretty soon. So for my final thought today, I want to talk about Denny Hamlin and the infamous racist insensitive tweet. I don't believe, honestly, in my heart of hearts that Denny meant to be racist or insensitive. Um, when you look at all that he's done for this sport, as far as that goes, bringing in diversity, bringing in Michael Jordan as an owner, employing Bubba Wallace, I do not think, much like I didn't believe that Kyle Larson in the same vein meant to be racist or insensitive, I do think that it was wrong. Uh, what he did was not as serious as what Larson did because he didn't use a slur, he used a stereotype. But I think it all goes back to when you know better, you do better. Neither one meant to offend. Neither one meant to be racist. But if you don't know, then you can't do better. So I think that the sense of sensitivity training will be good for Hamlin just from that aspect of understanding that even things that are meant to be jokes, even things that are, are used by comedians as funny does not mean that you can do the same thing in your daily life, right? I mean, there's a big difference between Seth MacFarlane, who's a comedian, and Denny Hamlin, who's a race car driver. And context is everything. I think if he would have taken out his frustration on Larson and not used the Family Guy cartoon, if he had just made a statement about what a bonehead move that was and went on with it, he would have been fine. Obviously, he would have been fine. So I think this is a real learning moment, a real teachable moment about knowing better and doing better. And I think it's going to be good for the whole sport going forward. Like I said, I don't believe that Kyle Larson is a racist. I, I think that the punishment against him was pretty harsh. But I also think that he's a better person and a better Nat representative of NASCAR as a champion because he went through that and I think the same will probably be true for Denny. I think he will be a better owner and better to understand the feelings and the needs, not just employing diverse employees, but actually understanding their feelings and why certain things trigger them the way that they do. So overall, I think this will be good for him, good for the sport, and, you know, good for us all. Thanks for joining me on The Backstretch. We'll see you next week.